Good morning. Good morning to everyone joining us online as well. So thankful that we can gather here. We can gather wherever we may be. And uh, it's a, a good, beautiful, sunshiny morning. So thankful for that. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10. So I invite you to join me in Luke chapter 10. We'll be there in a few minutes. Last week, we began our series, Healthy, and we looked at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus was one who didn't hold back on his feelings, he didn't hold back on his emotion, didn't hold back on what he was journeying through. Scripture says that he was sorrowful and deeply troubled, and we see that he was in so much anguish that he fell to the ground. I think some of us have been in those places in those seasons where we've just been on the ground because we don't know what else to do. Whether that's in prayer, whether that is just in pain, curled up in a ball, I'm like, what is next? Is there a next? Can we make it through this? We talked last week about how so often we run from what's going on in our life. We either detach from it, we deny it, or we just simply distract ourselves. But I invited us into whatever it was that you're facing, not to run away from it, but rather to run into it. And the reason we run into it is because that's where Jesus is. So Jesus is inviting us and saying, I am joy, I am hope, I am healing, I am strength, I am your refuge. Here I am. It's not avoiding that reality. I also invited us to ask why questions. Like when I'm feeling anxiety or hurried or stressed, why? And then you keep asking those why questions, getting to that root of, of what is really going on. It's like the psalmist told us in Psalm 139 is to search me and, and to know me and to test me. It's that same type of thing is search me. What's going on here and here and around me to know what's really unfolding? So as I was thinking about that, I thought of another story, and I want to share another story uh, similar to that. And this is maybe a story that you've heard before or you have read to a group of children. Uh, anyone ever read the book, We Are Going on a Bear Hunt? Anyone ever hear this one? We've got a few people. Yes, this was a uh, very frequent book in our household as our kids were growing up. And so I'm going to share it with you. So you just sit back, pretend you're a kid. And, uh, and as we listen to this story, this is what I invite you to listen to. I want you to pay attention of who's in the story and who's with them, how they process what's going on around them, how they deny what's going on around them, how they engage in what's going around the, on, with them, what do they do when they face hardship? Who and what do they depend upon? So I'm going to read this to you, so just sit back, and I believe we're going to have some pictures on the screen as well so you can see what's going on. All right, we're beginning here. It says, we're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh-oh. Grass. Long, wavy grass. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We've got to go through through it. Swishy, swashy, swishy, swashy, swishy, swashy. Kids love that part, right? We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Oh, a river, a deep, cold river. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We've got to go through it. Splash, 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 splash. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh-oh. Mud. Thick, oozy mud. 
We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We've got to go through it. Squelch, 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 squelch. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh Uh-oh. A forest, a big, dark forest. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no. We've got to go through it. Stumble trip, stumble trip, stumble trip. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh Uh-oh. A snowstorm, a swirling, whirling snowstorm. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no, we've got to go through it. Talk about a rough day, right? I mean, they're just hitting all sorts of issues. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh Uh-oh, a cave, a narrow, gloomy cave. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh, no, we've got to go through it. Tiptoe, tiptoe, tiptoe. What's that? One shiny wet nose, two big furry ears, two big googly eyes. It's a bear. Quick, back through the cave. Tiptoe, tiptoe, tiptoe. Back through the snowstorm. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Back through the forest. Stumble trip, stumble trip, stumble trip. Back through the mud. Squash, 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 squash. Back through the river. Splash, 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 splash. Back through the grass. Swishy, swashy, swishy, swashy. Get to our front door. Open the door. Up the stairs. Oh, no. We forgot to shut the door. Back downstairs. There's always someone that forgets the door, right? Shut, shut the door. Back upstairs. Into the bedroom. Into the bed. Under the covers. We're not going on a bear hunt again. There's a lot of things I love about the story by Michael Rosen. Is that here are these children venturing out toward this bear. We all have bears in our lives. And as we venture towards these bears, there's all sorts of obstacles along the way. And they consider, how do we avoid the obstacle? How do we avoid the hardship? How do we avoid the trouble? And they realize every time we have to go through it to get to where we're trying to go. And these children, as they're going along, there's different times where they're holding each other, holding hands, walking alongside. They're journeying this area together. See, at the end of the story, they say, we're not going on a bear hunt again. I think they will. I think there's something when we go out and we encounter whatever that thing is, we get there and it scares us. We may run. But we go back through some of these obstacles. We go back to these places of safety and treasure. But here's the cool thing. Their father was with them all along the way. There's different times where the father was carrying some of the kids or holding some of the kids. Sometimes he was leading the way. Sometimes he was walking alongside. Sometimes he was behind. The father was always present. The father was there protecting. The father was there participating with them on this bear hunt. And the father didn't suppress their desire to go on that hunt, didn't say, no, 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 don't go this way. The father was present through the situations. The father is there. And I think of that for all of us. Whatever that reality is that you're walking through, that I'm walking through, that we're not alone. We're not called to go alone. And that the Father God is with us. 
I think of Psalm 46, verse 1, where it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. That is true when it was written, and it is true today. That God is your refuge, your strength. That present, that present trouble, he's ever-present in it. He is there with you. A few verses later, the, the same psalmist in the same chapter says something else in verse 10. He calls us to be still and to know that he is God. To be still. See, we want to know God. We want to know God's will. We want to know how to walk in it. But it comes from a place of stillness. It comes from a place of pause of being still, knowing that God is God. And when we're in that moment, we can therefore know God and know self in the stillness because he's our present help in trouble. He's ever present in our trouble. So I want to, join, or I want to invite you to join me this morning. I'm going to ask you to join me in just, just for a minute here, to be still. So I'm going to ask you, whether you're at home or whether you're here, if you have something in your hands, just to set that aside if you're able. And to sit up in your seat. Maybe you've got to scoot forward a little bit. Sit with your, your back straight. Take your hands, and you can either open them in, a, in an upward way, or, or you can set them down next to you. Just, just find a, a place of, of alertness, but yet rest. And if you're comfortable, I want to invite you to close your eyes. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do for the next 30 seconds is breathe, is to pay attention to your breath just in these next 30 seconds. So here we go. still in the same place and position and rest. This time I invite you, if you so choose, is again, for another 30 seconds as you're paying attention to your breath, that you would simply repeat the name of Jesus, just slowly, just quietly within your mind and your heart, repeat the name of Jesus for the next 30 seconds. I want to invite you to join me back 
the person next to you fell asleep, just gently wake them up. That was only about 60 seconds. I wonder what you experienced in those moments because what you just did was first, the, the most core basic reality of what it means to be human is, is breathing. Was your breath rushed or was it calm and even? How did you feel? The first time and then the second time if you chose to say the name Jesus. What did you experience? Some of you maybe experienced peace, like a physical peace of like, oh, this is what rest is. Felt some sort of connection spiritually or maybe physically there's just this momentary relief. But maybe for others of you, it was just chaotic. Like you couldn't calm yourself. You couldn't have this rhythmic breathing. Maybe what you hope for is when you close your eyes is like the New York Philharmonic Symphony, just this beautiful piece and this just great orchestration. But really what you got was the first day of middle school band, right? It's just this noise that's going on. You're like, somehow this fits together, but it's this noise. And so often what we do is when we calm ourselves or when we're still, when we've tried this in other times, we've had this interior noise just rise up in us. And it gets chaotic and noisy and messy, and you get frustrated when you try to be still. You long for the symphony, but you get the band. See, when we stop, we start to unpack what's really going on inside of us. Because not only do we start to know God when we stop, we start to know ourselves, and we start to deal with some of the things within us. Last week, I shared that for the longest time, I didn't realize it was anger, but that I was dealing with anger within my heart. And I would just stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff, and I had to stop because I was just ignoring the anger within me. I was just justifying it, pushing it off, saying, nope, I'm going to do other things. But when I finally stopped and I started to identify it, when I started to name it, when I started to say, God, I know this is not you and this is not what you have for me, that I could really start to allow some healing to take place. See, as followers of Jesus, we're, we're called to this place of stillness, of solitude, of simply being before the Lord. A long time ago, a crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, they identified there's really two ways to exist. There's a self-directed life and a Christ-directed life. If you put up that next slide, please. This is some of the imagery that they use is that Pastor Girton has used this for years in the past is this throne. We all have a throne within us. And this first image is the S for self. This is a self-directed life. Maybe I, I know Jesus. Maybe he's a part of my life, but he's not on the throne. And then I have these different interests in my life, and they're scattered in their different ways, but I control what I experience. I control what I do. I control my life. And then there's the other option is this Christ-directed, Christ-centered life where Christ is on the throne of my life. I'm humbly sitting before Christ, sitting there, still knowing who he is and who I am, but then my interests are directed by Christ. They're directed outward into the world. They are, they are toward what he's called us for and to. I think Paul said it well in Galatians 2. When he looked within himself, he, he didn't see Paul. He saw Christ. And this is how he said it. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. 
and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So again, he's not looking within and being like, well, this is what Paul thinks. This is what Paul likes. This is what Paul wants to do. What is it that God is doing in me and through me? How is he shaping me to engage this world? Peter Scazzaro, in a recent book, he, he gave 10 indicators of whether or not we're walking with a Christ-centered or directed life. And he said, if any of these are true, we have opportunity to grow in this Christ-centeredness or directedness. So we're gonna give 10 of these. And just keep track in your mind of how many of these 10 that you would agree with. There's gonna be five on the screen and five on the next one. These are indicators that maybe we're moving away from a Christ-directed life. First is I can't shake pressure I feel from having too much to do in too little time. And by the way, I, I've marked a couple of these personally. I am ignoring the stress, anxiety, and tightness of my body. I am concerned with what others think. I am often fearful about the future. I am always rushing. So here's our first five. So how many of those would you check? Can you go to the next five, please? I am defensive and easily offended. I am preoccupied and distracted. I fire off quick opinions and judgments. I feel unenthusiastic about or threatened by the success of others. I spend more time talking than listening. So you got a number in your head? One to 10, how many of those you would say, in this present reality, this is where I'm existing? All right, so at this time, what we're gonna do is we're gonna line up. So whatever number you have, the 10s over here, the ones over here, you laugh like we're not going to do this. No, we're not going to do this. Of course not. But I think all of us can relate in this way. Whether we marked one or we marked 10 of these things, we have opportunity to move towards this Christ-directed life. So earlier, I invited you to Luke 10. We're just going to look at this passage briefly, and I'm going to encourage you to spend some time later looking at this a little bit closer. Luke chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 38. This is a familiar story. If you've been around the church at all, if you're familiar with the, the Bible, this is a story of Mary and Martha. And Jesus is traveling with his disciples. And so Martha and Mary invite them into their home for a meal, probably to stay, just to give them a place of rest as they travel. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38 as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So I think most of us can relate to either Mary or, or Martha in this passage. Mary is there. She loves Jesus. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. She's listening to him. She's taking it all in. She's like, yeah, there's stuff to be done, but Jesus is here. I'm going to spend some time here. I'm just going to be with Jesus. And then there's Martha. I am definitely a Martha. Martha loves Jesus too. 
but Martha is working. Martha's got her to-do list. She's got her spreadsheets. She's like, the bread has to go in the oven here. We've got to mix this here. We've got to make sure the house is clean. She is doing, and she's frantic. And she feels the pressure of all that needs to be done. Verse 40, here's a result of, of the Martha reality of this doing for Jesus. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. See, she was happy Jesus was there, but she was distracted. It's like we can go into a place of just stillness and quiet, whether it's here or throughout the week. We're like, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. I want to pray. I want to read my word. I want to worship. I want to, I want to just connect with the Lord. And we sit and we are still. And we're like, oh, yeah, I have to send an email. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, I forgot to pick that up for my son. I got to do that. Ooh, yeah, I got I to gotta do this. All of a sudden, our minds just start to get distracted. We think of all the things that we can do for the Lord, too. It's like, oh, I want to do this project. I want to work on this. I want to serve this person. I want to do this. And we miss out on being with the Lord. See, Martha is overwhelmed. She's pressured. She is stressed. And one of the things that come from being with the Lord and sitting with the Lord, we can tell this Christ-centered, directed life by the fruit of the Spirit in our life. If love comes out of us, if joy comes out of us, if peace comes out of us, if patience comes out of us, it's an indicator that we're walking in a Christ-directed, Christ-centered life. But when we're overwhelmed and we're stressed, even if we're doing it for Jesus, those things may not come out of us. Because when I'm overwhelmed, patience is not the key virtue that comes out. It is not a fruit that is born out of my life. Peace is not something I feel. And when you're hurried and when you're rushed, whether it's work or family or ministry, whatever it may be, the fruit of the Spirit is not necessarily that first thing that comes out. In verse 41, Jesus sees the frustration, hears the criticism that Martha had towards him saying, you know, she, she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Frustration leads to criticism. I mean, think of the people that you've criticized, that you've thought the criticism or you've said the criticism to recently or about. I imagine you're frustrated with that person or people. Maybe you're a little overwhelmed with the reality. And it's not necessarily love that is flowing out of you in that moment, Right? See, Martha's frustrated, and, and Jesus gently says, Martha, Martha. And it's so true of me. It's just, I need that sometimes. It's just, whether that's Joanna or someone else just being like, Chris, Chris. Or if our kids are upset, just this calming presence, and that's what Jesus was doing there. It wasn't the scolding. Jesus says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And Jesus lovingly comes to her and he said, thanks for all you're doing for me. And to all of us who are Marthas, who are doing things for other people, for the Lord, thanks for doing that. That's good. But there's one thing that's better, Jesus is telling her. Just come and be with me. Just come and sit in my presence. Just come and be still for a moment. To all the Marthas, myself included, someone recently wrote this. 
work for God that is not nourished by a deep interior life with God will eventually deteriorate and us with it. So those of us who are doing things for God out of this sense of we need to do this, this is what I'm called to, I have to do these things, I get to do these things, and we just do them, this is where burnout and frustration and heartache, these are the root of the reality because we're not being nourished from being with Jesus. See, Martha was frustrated coming to Jesus because she'd been doing. Mary was sitting there being with Jesus to be catapulted toward whatever that next opportunity is that she had. So do we exist from doing for the Lord or from being with the Lord? So I want to invite us to three things as we start to wrap this up. Like, how do we live this out? Last week, I talked about entering into the realities, the emotions, the feelings, whatever it may be. What do we do with this? Why don't I give us three suggestions wrapped around what we've already talked about? Is the first thing is decide daily. So we don't know what Martha did after this interaction. Scripture doesn't tell us that she went and sat at Jesus' feet or she went back doing more work, even more frustrated. We have no idea. We can make assumptions. We can guess. We can think about what we would do in that moment. But what is it in your life that you need to be very intentional about and in how you decide what you're doing, how you're using your time? When you look at your schedule, where are you overcommitted? Where is that, that burden? Where is the just too much that you said yes to when you need to say no to some things? And where in your life have you just decided, maybe intentionally, maybe not intentionally, where you're like, I'm just going to do for Jesus instead of be with Jesus? See, I'm guessing you eat maybe three meals. If you're like an average American, you're eating three meals a day. At some point, you were taught that and you choose that. You decide to do that every single day. Or if you work out, you decide to work out. You decide to go to work. You decide, well, I was going to say to go to school. Your parents are sending you to school, right? They're, they're deciding for you. But you decide. And this is the thing is decide daily to know God and, and to know yourself in that, to pause for that moment, to be with Jesus. And the second thing along with deciding is that you decide to be still and be silent. You and I have said, well, I'm praying as I'm driving. Or, well, I'm, I'm going to run this chore, or I'm, I'm doing this, whatever it may be. I'm going to pray while I'm there. Or I just pray when I'm, you know, washing the dishes or running or whatever. That's great. That's awesome. Keep doing that. But decide to be still and be silent daily. Find that moment, even if it's 60 seconds, to breathe and to say the name of Jesus. Just stop. We all experience to a degree with COVID and the lockdown and quarantine is some level of a slowdown. Well, most people I'm talking to now are like, well, I'm back at it. We had this taste. I think it was good. How do we create this discipline of being still and being silent? Because the Lord is always talking. Is where is that place? What is that time that we can be intentional and decide daily? If 
Find that place just to be still. A couple years ago, there's, there's an attic up here. I, it was so just busy down here and around during the week that I carved out a little corner in the attic, and I don't think anyone knew. Maybe someone saw it up there. But I would just go up there, and I would just be quiet for a while, just get away from everything. Maybe you have a place. Maybe you want to come here. There's four benches installed yesterday as um, people from the church installed that you can go sit out in our field, walk the trails, just, just be still and be silent before the Lord. Maybe you're saying, like, I just can't. I got too many people around me. Well, Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, had 19 kids. And she would sit in the middle of her house and just pull her apron over her head. That was her place of stillness and silence. It's a choice. It's a choice. Third thing. That was two. There we go. Three. There we go. Third thing is be with Jesus throughout the day. So there's this deciding moment to take, but then be with Jesus throughout the day. First Thessalonians three or First Thessalonians five fifteen or bleh, bleh. The, the the words are struggling right now. Here we go. We're gonna reset. Pray continually. First Thessalonians five seventeen says this, and this doesn't mean sitting in a corner in stillness and silence all day every day of your life, but it means as you are going, be praying. So decide daily to have a moment to be still and to stop, but then to pray continually throughout your day. As you're driving, instead of getting angry at that person that you caught, cut, cut, that cut you off, pray for them, all right? You can pray for them. They need a blessing in their life. And this is the first time that I've clearly mentioned prayer in this message, and it's been very intentional. Is if you've sat in a church for any season of life, you've heard messages on prayer, you've been told all sorts of systems and methods on prayer, you can go to Amazon and buy one of 70,000 books on prayer. You can go and listen to just about any podcast on prayer and find some sort of truth. You can be told what to do, what not to do. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. Those things can be, they can block us from simply being with Jesus. I encourage you to, to listen, to learn how to pray like the disciples asked. But I'm intentionally telling you here today just to be with Jesus, just to be still. Because everything I've talked about has been about prayer. This entire message has been about prayer. I've just not used the word. Simply being with Jesus is prayer. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, and talking with Jesus is prayer. Prayer is about the presence of the Father. Jesus, he said this in Matthew 28, verse 20. He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us. Like the father in the bear hunt, he goes with us. Like the father in that bear hunt, he is present with us. He is there with us. He is always ready to communicate to us and listen to us. And so just as the father is present with us, as we seek to become more and more healthy in every area of our life, May we choose to be present with the Father. Let's pray. Gracious God, merciful Father, you are oh so good. We love you. And God, I just pray for each person here. I know there's people all across the board who are investigating faith, who are 
um, concerned about faith, who are questioning faith, who are strong, just growing, excited, those who are just starting off. Father, I thank you that you are with us, that you desire to know us, desire for us to know you. And Lord, I pray that we would become a healthier people by just sitting with you, just in your presence. And I pray this week, God, as I know many people will just experiment and explore and try different ways of just sitting in your presence or continue on. God, I just pray for your peace and your endurance and God, patience for each one of us. Lord, I know so many times I sit and I just have that noise in my mind. And God, may we just rest in you knowing that you're at work, knowing that you want to communicate to us in the middle of our stuff as well. Lord, in just a moment here, we'll receive communion, the Lord's Supper. God, I thank you that this is a reminder to us, a, a communication to us, a, a moment to be still and to be present before you. God, to be reminded of your sacrifice on the cross, of your broken body and your shed blood. And so, Father, as we move towards the Lord's Supper, may we just take a moment of quiet, of stillness, or to confess any sin, or just to rest in your presence. So would you take a moment? Lord Jesus, you call us to give thanks when we receive the Lord's Supper. And so, Father, we thank you for the fact that you gave your life for us, Jesus. That we find life in you because of your death and your resurrection. God, I pray that we would walk as a resurrected people, healthy and whole, Lord, because of you. God, in every area of our life. And God, for those areas where we're just not healthy, God, thank you that you meet us there. Thank you that you're in the middle of that. And so, Father, I pray that we would find encouragement even as we receive the supper, God, today. And so, Lord, as we have prepared our hearts and we ready the bread and the juice, your word says this. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when you're ready, would you take and eat the bread? Scripture continues to say, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. When you're ready, would you take and drink the juice?
the word continues, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so Jesus, you're good. We're so thankful that we can remember your death, your resurrection, Lord, the life that you call us to. And Father, I pray this week that we would just sit at your feet. God, we would exist from our being and not our doing. Lord, we're so grateful. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Thank you.